Respawn Ain't Fire, the Kick-Ass River Gaming Podcast. We have another spoiler cast for The Last of Us Part 2. Part 2. Because it's the second time we're doing one of these. <laughs> I'm here with Chad Michael Ennis, who's Hola. here for the and hosted the last one. Dallas Smith, who is also there for the last one as well, but bringing him back on again. Alex Cozina, who just finished Last of Us two days ago or yesterday. Yeah, real soon. Yeah, really recently. So both of us kind of played it later than everybody else. And we're here just to share our thoughts on, on Last of Us Part 2 again. Because, spoiler alert, it's a masterpiece and it's worth talking about this <gasps> much. I'm so happy you think so! <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's worth now, talking about. I feel like my opinion might diverge from yours a little bit. Get but... off the show! <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. This is a circle jerk only. <laughs> Uh, no, we know what uh, what Chad's opinions of this are now. We know what Dallas's opinions are because they're in the last polar chat. I've hinted at kind of what I think about this, not going into detail on the podcast. But Alex, we haven't gotten your impressions yet. So, what are your just initial impressions of uh, Last of Us Part Two? I think that the Last of Us Part Two is nothing less than a great game. I think that its first half suffers from some. Here's the thing: I don't want to say pacing issues because I feel like pacing issues has just become a shorthand on the internet at this point for i didn't think that the last of us was perfect and i'm just going to leave it at that to offer a more nuanced response i think that the first half of the last of us goes to lengths to try and prove what it's trying to communicate too hard and i think that the game suffers because of that however once we get into the second half of the game uh, especially after like day two of abby spoilers 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 i think that the game is almost perfect with a few you know, minor blemishes here and there. Yeah, I, I want to turn to the pacing part, especially. I think it's a very interesting... It's With a movie, I think that's a better th- argument to make. Both a game, like, w- when did you start playing and end playing during your sessions? Like, that's an interesting conversation to kind of get into with pacing. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the game immensely. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I'll kind of get more into it as we get into each part of it, though. But I guess let's start off with just the the story itself because i think that's probably the most important part with the last of us actually chad dallas would you want to share your impressions again even though you've already said them on the last one do you want to just sure yeah um, you're like yeah i cozy makes a great point where uh the beginning you know not so much pacing but it definitely tried to drive home something and it it did seem to drag at points. Um, that's an excellent point you, you brought up. But yeah, I enjoyed it immensely. It's nothing less than a great game. Like Cozy said, it, it may be a masterpiece in my opinion too. I, I, I need to sit with it longer. I think the lo- the further I get away from it, the more emotional distance I have with it. So it's not it's not as good as it was right when I finished it. Um, especially seeing the nitpicky stuff that people are I've been posting about and stuff, but um, yeah, I still love the, the game. It's it's it's, a, it's basically a masterpiece. My my one sentencer that I've kind of been like propagating around is that like it's the least fun game I've ever played in my life, and it's also a masterpiece that everyone should play. That's like that's my high level opinion on it, and <laughs> I still think like since I beat it, I guess it's two weeks ago now. I still think about it every single day. I think about it every single day. Love it. Yeah, I completely agree. I do feel like I should mention that I was spoiled on the game. I saw the leaks. Yeah. I do think that's something important to mention from uh, my opinion. Did you see them as well, Alex? I'm in the same boat. I was spoiled in a very similar manner as well, yeah. I actually would like to start off with just sharing what we knew ahead of time. Because I think that's important to kind of discuss. 
that I do feel like I view the story very differently as a result. And I'm curious kind of what you felt about that. So what did you know ahead of time? Uh, I knew that Joel died at Abby's hands via the beating with a golf club. Uh, I knew that <gasps> <What>? you would. <laughs> I knew that you would switch over to Abby at least partway through the game, and I knew that Abby and Ellie would basically be going at it and being very mean to each other. That's. Uh, I mean, and I knew little things as well. Like I knew about Lev as a character in the game, things of that nature. But I, I would say that those are like the big things I was spoilt on. Uh, everything, everything there, and then I also knew about. Um... Abby's dad was killed at the hospital and he was the doctor. Right, yeah. So I want to start off by saying that, you know, knowing in advance uh, what was going to happen in the game, I would say helped and hindered my experience in different ways. On one hand, I actually really appreciated that the game got Joel's death out of the way so soon. Because going into the game, I was really concerned that Joel was going to die like 20 hours into the game and it, and I was concerned that the entire time I was just going to be in a like panic of oh, great here's another <laughs> scene where we get to see Joel and we know that his death is inevitable and it's going to be just so uh how to say like stressful to have to play through this entire time knowing that he's fated to be killed off and so for the game to kill him off early on it was hugely stressful leaving to me personally even though I obviously it wasn't cool <laughs> that Joel got killed cool in the sense that like, I thought that, like, l- let me be perfectly clear. I think that for the purpose of the story that they were trying to tell, I think that it was the right decision. I, I mean, not cool in the sense that, like, obviously, it's this beloved character getting killed off. Purely yeah. in that sense. Um, on the other hand, I would say that knowing that the game was going to be dealing with, you know, Ellie going into Seattle, slowly killing off... Uh, members of the side that Abby was on, I, I feel like it sort of it it put my expectations in check uh, that this was going to be a story that was very much going to be painting a dark picture of what Ellie was going to be doing. And so when the game, you know, started driving home the point of like, hey, you're not necessarily the good person in this scenario. You are the villain to the other person's story. Like, I kind of got that message a lot sooner i would say than maybe if i hadn't been spoiled to what a lot of the game was going to be about and i'd say that that's sort of what made me a lot more quickly fatigued during the first half of the game interesting so yeah i i definitely feel you with how knowing kind of i knew the cycle of violence thing was going to be a huge part of the story and Mm -hmm. so as soon as joel died i'm like oh there's more to abby matter of fact i remember dallas you were saying like the moment you kind of fell in love with abby was with the whole zebra and her helping the zebra out I fell in love with her like when we first met her in the mountain, and she finds out she finds out that she, um, Owen's uh, um, gonna have a kid, and she looked upset about it instantly. There, because I'm like, I knew they were gonna lead me on this way of starting to like her. So like when I saw her there, and I'm like, yeah, she is kind of a sweet person. Like her expressions on her face and how she was hurt <laughs> by that, but didn't show her, like I'm like I do like her. And then when she got hit, like was beating Joel with the golf club. I'm like, ah, oh, what a bastard. But also like, yeah, I'm gonna grow to love her. So like, it was definitely a different. A yeah. moment that I think for a, a lot of people who didn't know where it was going to go. Um, and I think that for me it worked, but I definitely can see Alex where you're coming from where it can be fatiguing. Because when you kind of know where something is going for a good like 10 hours before things get to where you were expecting them to go, I could definitely feel that. I think for me, what saved me there is the gameplay, which we'll talk about later on. Mm. Yeah, I, I, you, I'm more, more or less in agreement with you there. 
Um, did you or you in any way like wary on the spoilers? Uh, like, like heard that in, like heard not about trusting it? them. Um, not trusting them, but like, oh, I don't like the direction the story was going in. Or did you already kind of have a comfort towards where the story was going? I mean, I feel like I was kind of ambivalent. I didn't love what I learned, but you know, I, I, I kind of expected from experience to just kind of trust that Naughty Dog mm -hmm. knew what it was doing and that in the end they were going to deliver a solid story because there have been a, a couple of leaks of this nature in the past where like only the basic plot point summary of whatever story got leaked got leaked and that turned out not to be very indicative of what the actual game is like i'm blanking on what games i'm thinking of right now uh but yeah i i never doubted that naughty dog would be able to turn it around into a successful experience so mm -hmm. yeah i would say i'm i was ambivalent i i had more faith in Naughty Dog than I think I would have given other d developers if I had heard <laughs> leaks this huge. I think I even texted Dallas, like, because you asked me, like, what I knew, and I'm like, I'm not telling you anything, but, like, it's fucking brilliant. It's amazing. Yep. I can't wait to do this. I just had so much faith in where they're going, and I th I think that's also a big reason why I just kept loving it as I went along, because, like, I had that faith. I kind of knew where it was going, and I was liking the idea already. It was really bold. I think I liked it a lot of, for a lot of the same reasons I liked Last Jedi, which is that it took the franchise in a very different direction than what you might have been expecting. But for me, Last Jedi felt extremely Star Wars the entire time, and this felt extremely Last of Us. So I, like, I was excited when I when I heard these, uh, you know, really bold changes they were going to make. It's a perfect analogy, but... Holden. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will agree with that. Everyone loved Last Jedi. <laughs> can I? Um, while we're okay, on the topic so... of spoilers, can I ask? I'd like to say that I've learned a little bit of empathy from playing this game. And and my initial <laughs> reaction whenever I hear that somebody purposely sought out spoilers for this game is like, I want to punch you till you're dead. <laughs> wow. But I'd like to I, I've learned to to withhold that and try to understand where you're coming from. I would love to know like why like what drove you to go look at the spoilers for this game? Uh like for me personally. Uh, basically, I was not expecting to play this game as early as I ended up playing it. So with the original The Last of Us, I ended up playing that game on the PlayStation 4, I think at the end of 2014. Like, I had no interest in playing that game when it first came out, and I eventually just kind of played it because like I feel like I need to play it so I can be in the know. And it was a similar thing with this game. Where, like, you know, I enjoyed the original The Last of Us, uh, but... I don't feel, you know, utterly obliged to play this game right away. And it was only when uh, this other podcast that I'm part of, Press YYZ, uh, was all like, hey, we're all playing The Last of Us Part Two at launch. And I was like, all right, I guess I have to play it at launch as well so that we can have our own discussion about it. So, and that basically, that decision only came after the leaks happened. So, yeah, I... I I didn't have an, an issue leaking myself to it because I'm like, I expect that I'm probably not going to play this game for a year, a year and a half. And so I didn't see any issue doing that right away. Gotcha. Rather not torture yourself for a year and a year and a half trying to avoid spoilers. You're like, might as well just give in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I did know as we playing it later, that he was going to be taking that kind of two week boycott at that point. <laughs> and I figured like maybe that would help me. I think it's a small part of it for me, but I think ultimately like I don't, Sometimes I care about spoilers and sometimes I don't. I th it's kind of like there's no like litmus test where I have where it's like ooh like I will never find a spoiler out about like I'll say like Mr. Robot like I didn't want to know anything 
Like I didn't want to know anything at all. I just wanted to watch it and like see how it played out. And but when there's something like really big culturally significant, like the Rise of Skywalker leaks or the Game of Thrones leaks, or actually I didn't watch the Game of Thrones leaks, or like you know, in this case, the Last of Us Part Two leaks, I find just the narrative of what was leaked, what's the discussion around those leaks at the time, and how does that contrast to the response after it comes out? And I feel like if I want to have the most informed opinion I could have on that topic, I need to see those leaks ahead of time. So like Rise of Skywalker was an interesting one for me because the same people who were leaking out Game of Thrones, which I didn't see those spoilers, ended up being extremely right. And I'm kind of like, oh, like, let me see, like, you know, are they going to be as negative about Rise of Skywalker as they were about Game of Thrones? And did that in like form of their opinion afterwards? Like that I find is, is interesting. I also find with me that spoilers and knowing things or having preconceptions ahead of something usually doesn't influence how I feel about something as I go into it. It's like Rise of Skywalker, Skywalker for example. I hated the C-3PO scene in that trailer where he's like, I'm, I'm so glad to be gone, all my friends. <laughs> Fucking hated that scene in the trailer. In the movie, didn't bother me. I'm like, why not what? They did it. They they stuck landing <laughs> on that. That specific scene, I, there was parts around that scene that were terrible but they're terrible for different reasons not like what i was thinking ahead of time so like i feel like i can go into something and say hey it's it's this is going to be good not because of the specific bullet points on the list of what happens in this story but how they go between those bullet points and how they um uh, how they nail the execution so i feel like it generally doesn't impact me that much anyway I can't claim that spoiling myself to what happened in this game didn't affect my enjoyment of it. Uh, I will say, though, that I did read a lot of reviews of this game before playing it, both positive and negative, and I didn't IMO find that those affected my enjoyment of it. So there is that, at least for me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't and know. I, think that's... I, I don't know how I could have dealt with knowing that Joel was dying at some yeah. point going into that game like i mean chad brought it up before we i had the same idea that i thought it was going to be dina right this is going to be a redemption story of, of yep. you know redeeming dina's death or whatever but when joel died i was like oh shit all right like <laughs> was not expecting mm -hmm. it especially that early i'm sure that that holden and alex you still had plenty of surprises within the story for yourselves as well but i feel like the, one of the biggest surprises to me was finding out that I was going to play half the game as Abby. And like when I when I made that After realization halfway through the game, I was like, oh, shit. Like That was such a mind-blowing moment for me. And to know that you guys just went into it was like, all right, I know sometime I'm going to be done with Ellie, and I can't wait to be done with Ellie. I had, <laughs> well, I had that moment. I had the moment when I saw the spoilers. I'm like, whoa, we're going to get to play the other side. That's amazing. I had that moment. I just had a many-month delay between having that moment and playing that moment. That's all. <laughs> But you didn't well, experience her killing Joel before it. Actually, I did because I saw that video. That video. Oh, was, it was a video. Oh shit! Yeah, it was uh, a video. Yeah. Well, in my case, it is true that I was spoiled to the fact that I was going to be playing through half the game as Abby. One thing that I wasn't spoiled to, and that actually genuinely did sort of take me by surprise, was what Abby's section of the game was all about. Here's the thing: when I reached the end of Ellie's section of the game, I was honestly somewhat concerned that Abby's section of the game was going to be basically this cat and mouse game where she will hear about some member of her squad that Ellie killed. She'll go to a location that she last heard Ellie was at. She'll learn that Ellie is now somewhere else. And that that would be the whole extent of her campaign. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. going to her side of the game and then discovering, oh no, like 
with the exception of a few minor crossovers here and there, her story is like largely separate from Ellie's story was a very pleasant surprise that I greatly appreciated. Yeah, in fact, she's moving on. She doesn't care about Ellie anymore. She's like, cool, I've closed that chapter. I'm dealing with other shit. She didn't even really know who Ellie was. Yeah. Yeah. I, yes, I I agree with Alex completely. Like, I didn't know it was going to go back to Seattle day one. I had this image in my head that what was going to happen was Joel was going to die, Ellie was going to go after her, and then there was something in the leaks that said very specifically that Ellie was in captivity by Abby, and then Abby let her go. But that was actually just when Joel killed, um, when Ellie killed, um, Abby killed Joel, right. not some later point in the story. So mm-hmm. I was expecting this moment where I'm like, oh, Ellie's going to get kidnapped and Abby's going to say, like, look, just go. Right. You've gotten your revenge. Like, do it. And then the rest of it is then going to be like, oh, what was it? Oh, Ellie apparently then escaped and, like, killed a bunch of people. And that's what upset Abby. And then Abby was going to go after Ellie. Like, that's kind of the image I had of it. So. I kind of had this like vague notion that ended up being wrong. So there definitely was that big surprise for me. It was like, oh, I'm going to be seeing Abby's story. And because I played it in essentially two sittings, yeah, it was two sittings, I felt kind of refreshed to have it be a different story that then kind of ties in. That was nice. Because I agree, Alex. If it was this like cat and mouse game between, oh, I heard Ellie's over here. Let me go over there. And I'm like, I've been over there. I know exactly what that level is going to look like when right. I get over there. That could have been bad. And it wasn't oh, bad. I had that concern as well. That's a great point. Absolutely. As soon as that day one, Seattle, I was like, I'm going to go everywhere that Ellie's been this whole time. I'm just going to follow <laughs> yeah. her around and just be like a step behind <laughs> her the whole time. Like, come on. But, yeah. yeah, it was awesome to see. It was totally different. The only thing I will say, though, is that because it is so totally different from what Ellie was doing, when you finally do loop back around and meet up with Ellie at the movie theater, I honestly was kind of like, I don't even remember what Ellie was doing last or where her head was at. (laughs) So that is sort of like a small little criticism there. But I I don't feel like it is like at the end of the day, I felt like that criticism that I had at the end of that campaign did not match up with the praise that I had for how different it was than how I was expecting it to be. Let's move on to the story itself then. Like outside of the context of spoilers, just like the story itself. Um, you kind of mentioned some um, kind of slowness in the beginning and the contrasting of the end, Alex. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I thought that, like, the opening of the game, like, uh, up until I would say you first start fighting human enemies in Seattle, I'd say is actually pretty solid all around. I don't have any real issues there. It, it's just, once you start fighting human enemies, the game really wants to drive home the point that these are actual human people with their own, like, lives uh, that you're killing off. And it's trying to you know, really reinforce this idea that Ellie is the villain of Abby's story or of all these other characters' stories. And I just feel like it goes on on this sort of one note for, I feel like, a little bit too unnecessarily long of a period of time. And I feel like they just, they could have told that section of the story more quickly using many fewer encounters, IMO. Yeah, I can feel that because, like, I mean, thinking about how Seattle Day Two was basically about her going to um, the hospital, and then Seattle Day Three was her going to the aquarium. Both of which are basically just stories about her going to kill someone who was involved in 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 the, the death of Joel in some way. So yeah, there was definitely more repetition. 
I can definitely feel that. And it's one of those things where a lot of uh, reviewers that have been more critical of this game have said that this game is just torture porn, that it's just two people going at each other and it's wallowing in misery and torture and pain. And it's like, I don't agree with that. I think the game is much deeper overall than that. But I can totally see how, you know, like playing through just the first section of the game, you can leave that being like, oh man, this is just a little bit too much if you already were not down what, what the game was about. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially in the hospital. When I forgot who you were going after, what her Nora. name was in the hospital. Yeah. Nora, and you have her cornered in the room with the red lighting, and Ellie's looking furious and angry, and I'm like, ooh, is she going to do it? Is she going to do it? And then Square <laughs> pops up, and I'm like, no, fuck you, no. And I'm like, I'm going to wait this out. And I'm like, I'm not, I didn't do it. And, but Ellie's face getting, kept getting more heated, and like she's breathing heavier, and I'm like, yeah, fuck, I just sat. And I'm like, Square. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> and like probably again, I'm like, square. Fuck. I hate this game. <laughs> no, you... it was a really impactful moment. It was so, a great moment, but it was harsh. Let me ask a question for the room here. Do you guys think that it was a mistake that the game saved the final uh, flashback between Joel and Ellie until the very end of the game? Because I feel like after watching that flashback, I definitely mm -hmm. gained a lot more insight into why Ellie was acting the way that she did. Uh, but I feel like I would have appreciated that scene a lot sooner because after coming out of the hospital scene, we're presented with the flashback where it's revealed that Ellie actually learned that she was the cure for the fireflies and that Joel killed off all the fireflies and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that actually made me understand the hospital scene and everything that had come before that even less. And it kind of remained that way for a while until, as I said, we got to the end of the game. That's... Interesting question. I I think I think it almost drove me to. Uh, it's tough to look look at back at it now, especially playing a little bit of it again. It drove me to want to play it again to to really see it through those eyes the second time. Um, it's a good point. Maybe if I had seen that earlier, it would have been driven home even more. But I think it almost it like carried me along to see if this ever got resolved between those two and you know to, to get hit with that final blow at the end there it was just i don't know it was a pretty emotional point in that game i don't know if it would have been as emotional earlier um but it definitely might have uh opened my eyes to her drive earlier for sure i for one i think just in general the flashbacks and the the pacing of them and spreading them out across the entire game I loved it because it every single time we had another one that it, that showed something different, it completely reframed the entire rest of the game that I had already played and made me think about it in a completely different way. And then it just kept doing that every time I saw something new. But I think that one specifically, and it's it's about her saying that like what you've done to me for me is something really really terrible that I that I struggle to forgive you with, but I'm willing to try. Like that that breaking down of her barrier and saying, I get it a little bit, I'm willing to be open-minded, I think reflects so much on where I think she is with Dina at that moment, at the very, very end of the game, where she's done a lot of terrible things and she's done something terrible to Dina and walked out on her. And she's right now, in that moment, hoping that Dina is willing to take her back. Because that's where I, that's where I think she's going at the end of it, is to say, hey, I've, I've, I'm at peace, I've found peace finally and i'm ready to come back and try again and hopefully you can feel the same way that i did about joel 
So I, I love that those two were right next to each other because that's how I kind of interpreted where she's going at the end. She's going for the cure. You I think so. I put that in my mind. That's my, my, uh, uh yeah. That's we my theory now. Different. I'm holding on to that one. I love it. We have very different views on this. I, so I have a different one altogether as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that's kind of cool. This ending, I think that's that's the success of this ending is everyone has this different like kind of right. view where, where it's going to go. It's like the Sopranos um, ending. Yeah, I I feel like it was a good setup for Last of Us Part Three, having that flashback right in that moment. For me, it put that context of why she was walking away, and I thought a lot about why. And I think you put it really well with the barrier, um, Chad. I like that. I hadn't thought about it in that, quite that context, but it fits with kind of how you it very well, which is Joel had this barrier up after his daughter died. And it was Ellie that helped him kind of free that barrier and open himself up. He's a much warmer person in The Last of Us Part 2 than, than we had seen him in The Last of Us Part, uh, part 1. And I feel like Ellie's... What was Joel's daughter's name? Sarah. 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 Ellie's Sarah, the thing she would hold on to was the fact that she was the cure. And that Joel took that away. And hearing and she basically says it like Joel took that away from her. Her meaning for life is is gone. And I think that in that moment when she was talking to Joel, it hit me. Something she had said earlier, which was that, and I can't remember now if this is in part one or part two, that actually wasn't part one. When Joel is dropping Ellie off at Tommy's, and he's like, Tommy, take her, I'm gone. And Ellie gets really mad at Joel because he's like, no, fuck you, dude. Everyone has left me. Everybody has walked away or they've died, and you're doing it too. And that crushed her. And I think that even though Joel was the person who took the immunity away from her, he was also the person that could still break down Ellie and create and allow her to, to feel and be with people like the whole Sarah to Ellie story with, with Joel. She lost both things there. And I feel like the playing the guitar with, with missing fingers is the reminder of missing Joel, missing the cure is just setting her out on that mission. And I think this is kind of where I'm hoping part three goes. I think this would be a good story is, is she going after Abby again to kill Abby? And if Abby with the fireflies and Abby is now with the fireflies. So if she kills Abby, they're going to kill her, which is going to interfere with that whole idea of the cure. And if she could be the cure. And I think that's a really interesting dramatic tension where she's going to choose where does my where does the purpose of my life lie? Choosing love and being the cure for humanity, or choosing to delve into hate and re- and avenging Joel with Abby because she just can't let it go. That decision is still before Ellie, and I really, really want to know where that plays out. It, it, it I'm, I'm telling for, you, she's going to get the cure. <laughs> it, it, it seemed for a second ago, Holden, like I was about to start laughing. I wasn't laughing at you. I was just laughing at the idea of Ellie's just like, I can't let it go. I got to keep going at it. And I'm like, all right, well, time for another epilogue. That's the length of Return of the King, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I but she cannot doesn't think there's any her, cure for the cure. I can't have her going after Abby again, wanting to kill her, because then that means this entire game was for nothing. Like she learned nothing from all of this right. hate and losing everyone. I I can't see that. 
And if it happens, I'm going to boycott it for two weeks and then I'll play it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to really read into what she should or would do. But, you know, in my opinion, I think she's she's come to, to face the fact that, you know, maybe <clears throat> Dean is better off without her. Maybe the world's mm -hmm. better off without her because she has a purpose to without her being there cure you know so maybe that's what she's doing i i hope that's what she's doing i'd like to think well, that's even if she goes doing. to the cure though she's gonna meet she's gonna meet abby yeah and i, I don't think she's gonna be there the, the, hmm. that's what i think maybe the gameplay would be like oh well here comes this chick again and we gotta kill her so you gotta kind of kill some <laughs> of these dudes but then the whole time you shoot everybody like wait 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 <laughs> I want, I want, I'm the cure, remember? I came here. I want part three to take a complete U-turn and just have like Resident Evil style puzzles where you're just mixing things in tubes and trying to figure out which <laughs> one makes the cure. cure. <laughs> I, I think these are all great ideas. Personally, I ascribe more to the idea that The Last of Us Part 3 is about them discovering that Tommy is secretly a Terminator from the future and they have to hunt down Tommy. I think that th there's potential everybody. in that idea. They're like, wait a minute, you survived getting shot in the head like five times this entire game. How are you still alive? He's a great sniper. Somehow yeah, that I helps him. So convinced he was I was so convinced he was dead, and they show that shot of him um at Dina and Ellie's house, and he's got like I, it looks like he got shot through the eye or something like that. I mean, yeah. You'd still be dead. You would still be dead. It's like a glancing blow, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I whatever. I, I'm not super upset he's about like, it. But definitely Nathan, was like, I was definitely confused. He's like Nathan Drake in the Uncharted games. He didn't actually get shot. It's just his <laughs> luck is running out, basically. Yeah. And so he was like <laughs> an inch away from his luck fully running out. <laughs> um, cool. So I, I want to return to the pacing idea and kind of this game being criticized for the pacing. Because personally, I think that's a strange conversation to have about a video game in this context. Did you guys feel like there was a pacing issue in this? I mean, I feel like I've already made my stance apparent that, yeah. I um, I felt very similarly uh, about Uncharted 4, where I thought that like the story of Uncharted 4 like from top to bottom was excellent, but I just felt like there were like a few two chapters too many to kind of drive home what it was trying to go for and i think that the same is true here i am like so i I do want to say something i didn't i i know that we were getting at this sooner or later i didn't absolutely love the combat and i do wonder to Traps. what degree that contributed to me feeling like the pacing was off i um so, like, while I was playing the game, you might recall that I put out a tweet where I'm like, I don't like the combat of The Last of Us Part Two. I think that it's, like, Metal Gear Solid, but it doesn't give you all the tools to kind of properly play it as such. I, I'm i going to rescind that statement a little bit here in that I feel like going into The Last of Us Part Two, I was somehow convinced, based on impressions that people had given of the game online, that it was going to be, like, Metal Gear, but in the universe of The Last of Us. And that's really not it. My perspective on the combat of the game is that it's like, it gives you all these different systems, stealth, guns, uh, you know, bombs, etc., etc. But each system is a little bit rough on the edges where you can never fully complete a combat encounter with any one system. And so you're encouraged to 
kind of swap between them on the fly. And I, I feel like it took me it took me a little while to kind of fully come to accept that. I think that I tried for a little bit too long to play according to one style of gameplay. And I acknowledge that maybe that influenced my perception of the game's pacing at certain moments. At the same time, I'm still not going to sit here and say that I absolutely love the combat. So do you guys with the pacing of the game? I, I like the, the combat conversation. There's definitely something there. So I'm going to hit the general impressions on pacing, and then we'll delve deeper into that. Did you guys feel like there was anything with like about the pacing that bothered you at all? Or I I, I, I felt a bit of frustration, sorry, just when that day one Abby hit. At that point, I was, you know, you get that tense standoff moment where Abby's got the gun on you. You know, she just shot Tommy. Um, and I was like, like Alex brought up earlier, how, like, am I going to have to retrace all this shit again? Mm. Um, other than that, I, you know, I plowed through it pretty. I mean, I, I see pacing issues in video games are tough for me to, to talk about because I take my time playing games. So everything is paced pretty shittily, in my opinion. <laughs> but I just, that's just how I like to play games. So, no, I didn't really have an issue with the pacing. I was just stressed. For the most of the time, so it was just a very <laughs> stressful and emotional pounding yeah. that I took. But other than I, I that, the pacing was fine. I, I will say that, like day one of Abby's campaign, is the day that reminds you the most of what's been happening in Ellie's campaign leading up to it. Like all the characters that you meet up with, it, uh, uh, some of the locations that you travel to, you're constantly reminded, like, hey, the, all these characters are going to be dead by the end of this. Um, <laughs> and it's only, I would say, it's only really at the beginning of day two well not even that even like the end of day one that like it starts to kind of fall into its own rhythm agree yeah i talked about my i wouldn't call them issues with pacing but my thoughts on the pacing on the last spoiler cast and it's mostly that the last eight ten hours of the game i would i didn't want to play anymore like i was done like every new firefighter is like, gotta go through this again. And then we get to the end of the game, or what I thought was the end of the game, where we're at our farmhouse, and I'm like, oh fuck! Now there's a whole new faction in Santa Barbara we gotta go deal with. And but but at the same time, I acknowledge <laughs> that that's rattlers. also brilliant because yeah. But it's it's brilliant because that's that's exactly how they felt. Like Ellie wanted to go and just live on the farm and just have a life with Dina and her the kid. But she couldn't because she was exhausted. She was she emotionally could not let go. And so I was not allowed to let go of the game. Like I had to keep playing because she had to keep going in order to to just All put right. to rest what was bugging her. So I while I did not want to quote unquote play the last eight to ten hours of the game, I think it was kind of a brilliant story move to tie that in and mm-hmm. and everyone I've talked to also kind of had that same feeling. I was like they're they're just exhausted by the end of the game. I feel like that scene where she's walking out the door of the farmhouse is like the new San Andreas meme. They're like, oh, shit, here we go again, meme. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, oh, shit, here we go again. We're going to go fight some more gunfights. And the only thing for me was at that point, I knew it was close to the end of the game. So all the shit that I had saved and never used, I was like, I'm just going to use it all. I'm just gonna, I don't have to worry about saving all this shit anymore. So the last those last moments were the most fun for me. Like that compound, yeah. I had a blast in there. I I didn't feel any pacing issues in the game for me personally. And I think that it's just that there, this game has two heavy dichotomies. It has one which is really intense action. Even if you're not fighting, you're playing stealth. Um, it, it is extremely intense. 
And then you have contrasting moments where you're just walking through a museum with Joel and putting a hat on a on a stegosaurus. Yeah. Or having a snowball and adorable fight. and sweet. And having a snowball fight. Like, yeah, like there's this huge juxtaposition to it, but it's because it's a very emotional story and the world that's presenting has a great range of emotion in it. And I feel like that is not a pacing issue. That's just a hey, if you thought those parts were slow, that's what that's you need that for the story. Like yeah, it's, yeah a realistic and if you didn't, view. Yeah, and but the pacing's in your hands. Like you can just walk past most of the museum and get over get it over with in five minutes if you wanted to. But like I wanted to spend time and listen to all the conversations about astronauts with, with Joel and how she knew who, you know, the first person in space was. Like those kind of small like things, like I want to spend time with that doesn't mean you have to. And I feel like so much of this game in particular is in your hands with how you want to play it. I actually like, went through the Hillcrest level again and just blew past it. It's actually a really fast level. Yeah. But you can really spend your time in that level and do what you want and go slow. Like, it's actually... Because yes, I played can. this game... I, was it you guys think it took you like 25, like 30 hours? 37. Playing? 37. 37. I beat it in under 19 hours. It's and it's not like I was trying. Wow. I just like... That's just what it panned out to be based on kind of how I wanted to play it. And some combat scenarios, I thought, hey, running away right now is the better option. So I would just book it and, and run off. And I think a lot of decisions like that I had made led it to 19 hours. So I'm like, I feel like the pacing is so much in your hands in this game it's that true. it's not that it has a pacing problem. It's just that it's very emotionally diverse. Some people know. didn't think, know that, that that's an option, though. Like, I mean, not that I didn't know. I normally just kill everything I see anyways. But, like, if I had known that I could you run this monster through all this stuff, <laughs> then maybe I'll survive. You know, I'll let some of those dogs survive here and there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just killed them all instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, so I, 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 I do feel, though, like where people can say there's pacing. I think Alex brought a really good point with, like, a lot of the things Ellie was, do, was doing was kind of repetitive. Yeah. I feel that for sure. Like I, I will say when I think back to Abby's campaign, the moments that stick out to me are uh, asc- crossing the bridge created by the Seraphites, descending down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's descending down the skyscraper that they crash into. Um, a lot of the stuff that takes place on the island that the Seraphites live on, uh, which like there's combat here and there in all those sections, but th- those are all also sections that are dominated by a lot of non-combat moments. And I feel like when I think about Ellie, I think a lot about just combat, combat, combat. Right. Especially when she was alone. You know, that she didn't have a companion for most parts and yeah, got pretty lonely. <laughs> um, let's talk about gameplay. So you were kind of talking about the gameplay, Alex, and, and your thoughts. Before we jump into that, though, do you guys want to kind of go back over Alex and um, uh, blah, Chad, uh, Chad Dallas, your kind of thoughts on the combat? Kind of reiterate those your thoughts there for people who didn't listen to the spoiler cast. Okay, Chad. Uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I had a good time. Used the bow a lot. <laughs> uh, I like yeah, that you can like craft ammo for weapons. I felt like that brought a new kind of complexity to making the decisions of what you want to use your shit on, but also got you out of some sticky situations sometimes. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the most interesting part was the first time you picked up a plank which was i don't know maybe when you were playing with abby it wasn't even with Ellie. and i was like thank god there wasn't 
all of this in here again because that's all I can remember from the first game is every time you got to an area you got to find the plank or find the the pallet to float around in and even Ellie makes a point of it when they're at the museum um when you if you jump in the water there's a plank over by the side and she goes oh, the pallet, over yeah. It. yeah the pallet that's what it is yeah um I so I think the puzzle aspect was handled much uh better in this this game and um when you first get to Seattle that open world area as much as uh, I was stressed out by trying to find everything and going every corner and spending probably like six hours in that small open area um, was uh, refreshing to see. I was a little upset that there wasn't more of that later in the game. Um, but other than that, the combat I enjoyed. I loved every second of the combat. I thought it was um, enthralling. It was intense. Um, and gruesome, which, you know, some people don't like but i think it adds uh a real realistic element to the whole situation that makes it uh much more enjoyable in my opinion because it really made me connect to what everybody was experiencing yeah it makes the world feel real as i think a lot of a lot of combat in games is hollow and it's like oh i shot this dude he's dead he's on the floor <laughs> and this is like oh shit i just fucking killed that guy like fuck i gotta get out of here soon because three other people are coming and it's just it just feels more natural and realistic in that way yeah so i, I can i can understand that you're also still a vicious monster who likes to kill people <laughs> in games <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do exactly at least gotta do what she has to do yeah. Alex, you kind of mentioned some thoughts yeah I, I think that your comment about it feeling realistic is apt i think that the, the way i would describe it is combat in the last of us part two is designed to break down no matter how best laid your plans are like i was saying earlier mm -hmm. like e even if you try to be a perfect uh, stealthy individual eventually yourself is going to break down if you try to go guns blazing eventually your gunplay is going to break down you kind of have to accept that you're going to have to rely on a variety of different skills in each combat encounter and like i said i think that it took me a little while to kind of come to accept that because i feel like i was led astray going into the last of us part two of to what extent the game would let me play according to how i wanted to uh, but i despite that i do respect it for what it is can i offer a hot take right here right now on <laughs> a small aspect of the combat of the last of us part two though that i yeah, of course fear might ruffle some flutters okay i don't know why i said flutters it's feathers there's not an <laughs> hour of feathers um okay so when yeah, you kill enemies oftentimes enemies will shout out the name of whoever it is that you just killed like oh no john jensen bill harry mary you know so on and so forth every single time that that happened i was half of me was like huh i, I genuinely do feel bad i think the game is effective at making me feel sympathetic for the people that i'm knocking off the other half of me was hmm i can see the hand of the developer the hand in this case being naughty dog specifically inserting that into the game to make make me feel bad i didn't feel bad what i felt was <laughs> oh that's realistic because if if i was in the woods with holden and he just got shot be like and chad was behind me he'd be like oh shit holden just got shot come on chad let's go see what the hell's going on <laughs> don't let him know it's like <laughs> yeah it's like the first time in a game where i may have experienced that i don't i can't think of anything else but um, it just drove that realism home even more for me. I never I didn't feel bad. I mean, I felt bad for like the first dog I killed, I think. But after that, it was. Whatever. You gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. 
I did feel more bad killing the dogs than I did killing the people, (laughs) for sure. Um, Well, so to that point, I think one of the reasons why you might have felt bad about killing the dogs is because one of the dogs that you kill, whose name is Bear, you actually get to see at the beginning of Abby's campaign. And that isn't Mm -hmm. like that isn't true of a lot of the other one note NPCs that you kill. True. Like the only other NPC that comes to mind that like is not part of the group of people that killed Joel at the beginning of the game is uh, the Vita woman. Yeah, I don't remember who her name is, but she stuck out me is like the only one bit NPC that you see at the beginning of Abby's campaign. That's like, oh, yeah, I remember her. Mm hmm. Yeah, I uh, played fetch with beer for like a half an hour. So Aww. that's fair. <laughs> that's very why it took you thirty-seven hours to beat the game. You're yeah. just playing fetch the whole time. <laughs> One reason. <laughs> I think when on the names the name thing, Alex. Sh- I I think they were effective, and it made it more realistic to to hear the names being thrown out there. But I do agree with you that every time I heard someone shout a name, I was like, "Oh, that's the thing Naughty's do- Naughty Dog is doing to make this more effective." <laughs> I had yeah. that thought every time I heard a yeah. name. Well. They had mentioned, Neil had mentioned it in like an interview a while back before the game had come out, like around the time like the February release date was announced. Um, so like I, I knew that was coming. I knew to expect it. And so, yeah, the first time I heard it, I'm like, hey, Neil Druckmann said that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> I definitely feel you there. But I, it did make me kind of go like, oh, that's right, though. Like these it's representing a real world. And these people would have names. They would be, you know, hmm. um, like Dallas said, like, you know, if I were shot in the woods, I, w- I would hope Dallas would go, oh, my God, oh, hold shit, hold it. Like, what the fuck? As opposed to, like, in any other video game where it's like, someone's around. What was there. that? <laughs> I heard a noise. Yeah. Um, um, uh, one thing I will mention, though, about the combat is, the f- like, to Cozy's point where if things broke, br- things broke down all the time for me, um, mm-hmm. basically in every combat situation. Um, and it was mostly because of if I got loud, you know, I tried to be as stealthy as possible, um, and my resources were low most of the time. Um, but if I went loud, I would get outflanked all the time. Like I, and it's tough to see if you don't have the upgraded, uh, you know, sensor thing, the sneaking um, sight. I would get outflanked and shot from behind all the time. So yeah, it was it was tough to get through some um, encounters. I mean, I was playing on hard, so I don't know. I dumped it down to very light for the second playthrough, and it's a lot more fun. So, <laughs> if you're looking to have fun instead of like a realistic experience, I guess play on very rough, very light. I liked that having to think at my feet almost all the time in the game. That you know, like I was trying to be stealthy. Oh shit! Like now they're coming after me. If I like someone saw me, um, oh great, I have a silencer. Like take him out really quick. Okay, I don't think anyone saw me. Like having to kind of think really quickly in my feet like that was really fantastic. But it also makes the moments where I was successful being super stealthy really, really? satisfying. Absolutely. Going back to Hillcrest again, there is that one part where it's the first time you see a dog and you run away and you have to go to the red door, right? Yep getting to that red door and pushing up against that red door and starting to hear the tone that happens when someone's kind of seeing you and wondering what's going on. And then they go, Hey, wait, what's that right there? And then I slipped in the door. (laughs) So satisfying. It was so satisfying because that, that change in the gameplay is the fear. I think in the gameplay that, you know, it can go wrong all the time. Like, that's kind of how I felt as well. Like, if I got away after they had seen me, it's okay. Now I have to be extra careful because they're on to me. Like, I need to (laughs) to be more aware of what's happening. And I tried to also not use my listening ability that often because I felt like that made it more tense and less video game-esque to actually um, 
use my eyes and like peer around and I like, peek in this corner really, really quickly because you can look around a corner and pull back and even if someone's walking right towards you they won't see you instantly so you can kind of get away with acting well, like what did that, you play depending on how close uh, moderate hard they see you everywhere 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 like you you get that like okay. and then it's done like you know <laughs> I, I play on very light it's like and then they see you <laughs> but on on hard it was like instant and that's the worst part about trying to play stealthy was if you if you screwed up that just that little bit you if you didn't take out enough of them because it seemed to be even more um if you didn't take out enough of them you were gonna get outflanked all the time so mm-hmm. it was tough God, that's the thing too, is how smart the AI is in this game. Like you that. can't stay in one this is not a cover shooter. You can't just stay behind cover and like pop yep. out and, and kill someone. Like you have to keep moving all the time. Absolutely. Otherwise you're fucked. You're totally Especially with fucked. the dogs like that. You know, I, I is there a game that has that element in it? It's like that was mm-hmm. that added a whole new element to to gameplay. It put the fear in you of having yeah. to maybe murder that dog, which I just did not want to do. <laughs> no way. If you put a bomb down and you run away, you don't really see it. So <laughs> you can also just throw a brick and it will distract it. Yeah, and lose your sense. So I would I would try doing that as often as possible. Well, I had to kill um, it either way. You can so also shoot it in the well head and it will distract it. <laughs> 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 I'm a Molotov um, one. I haven't done that yet. I didn't use the trip mines that often. Oh, the trip mines are so really good, ever, dude. I didn't they really were the best weapon, in, in my opinion, in the game. I <laughs> mean, it, one I used them when things went loud. I didn't use them to, to be really sneaky. But once things got loud and people were on you, it was the best, it was the best thing to use. I used the, um, in my case, my favorite go-to weapon was the pipe bombs on Abby's run. And those oh, yeah. things, Vicious. The, the MVP of your arsenal. Yep. <laughs> Sure. Especially in that hospital boss fight. Oh my god, dude! Ooh, yeah, that really cool boss fight. Kind of simple fight. IMO. I don't know mm-hmm. about you guys. Yeah, there was like the mechanics to it were simple. Uh, it kicked my ass like six times, but yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was just run away, shoot, run away, shoot. It wasn't anything like complicated it re- about it, but it I was reminded just me a lot shitting my pants the whole time. <laughs> so sorry, it's okay. It reminded me a lot of the gymnasium fight in Last of Us Part 1. We were in that gymnasium, and the big um, bloater dude comes up. They're not a bloater. What is it called? Is it called a bloater? bloater. Yeah. 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 It reminded me a lot of that, except this was a much better atmosphere. It was so dark and creepy, and the water meant that you really couldn't try to be sneaky because it could always hear you. Like, yeah, it was... That was great. Intense. Yeah, very, very intense. As soon as I saw that ambulance doors open and that nest thing in there, I was like, what? I'm like, no, I don't want to fight this fucking thing. <laughs> so we've talked about the story, talked about kind of the spoilers, we talked about the gameplay. I'm curious how you guys feel like this is going to influence storytelling and gaming going forward. I feel I'm, like this took it to a different level for me. So, I mean, I want to start off and say, I, I, I made fun of it slightly earlier, but like, I would be surprised if most games from here on out don't adopt having enemies call out the names of their friends when they get killed. <laughs> yeah. Like it's Absolutely. it's one hundred percent gonna become a trope feels like a mean word. It's one hundred percent gonna become a thing now in AAA games. And who knows? It might become such a commonplace thing that when I come back to this game, I won't regard it in the same way that I regarded it uh the first time I played it. I might just be like, oh yeah, that's mm-hmm. just normal now. 
I hope they do. And for 2020's sake, I hope they're all named Karen. And I'm just shooting a bunch of Karens. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Every time, like, oh no, Karen. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Oh no. I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> I, I think on a storytelling level, it took gaming. I feel like I've always had this idea that gaming has a capacity for empathy that no other medium has because you have to play at, um, as the character. And I've never seen a game live up to that so highly. And I really hope that that is taken from other... It's just taken. And, and that stories really try to offer multiple perspectives in their gameplay like that. And I think that could really lead to some really great, unique storytelling that kind of only gaming could provide. Like, for example, they're making Last of Us Part 2, or Last of Us, the TV show on HBO. Is, like, season two going to be five episodes as Ellie, five episodes as Abby? And is that really going to have the same impact Mm -hmm. as playing as Ellie and playing as Abby? I don't know. I think that might feel kind of weird in in comparison to playing it. I wonder if that's why movie, video game, video game movies are always just not as good. Yeah. Because you just can't connect emotionally to all those characters. In my opinion, Sonic the Hedgehog movie is way better than any Sonic the Hedgehog game. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't get emotionally connected to Sonic in the game, but in the movie, hell yeah, I love that little shit. You know, I would say the same about the Pokemon movie. Pokemon movie is way better than in Pokemon <laughs> games. I, didn't, I haven't played a Pokemon game or seen the Pokemon movie, so I can't. Oh, Your poor kid. Speak See, I think Pokemon movie is way above Sonic. I think oh, it's crazy for thinking that's You're talking song. about Detective Pikachu, Pikachu, not the Detective 20 Pikachu. animated oh, yeah, yeah, Pokemon yeah, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 the live action one. But that's all besides the point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that in terms of like empathy, this set the bar for me. Absolutely. And, like, is it a bar that could even be surpassed by other developers? Like, yeah. I have, like, I have no idea. <sighs> so, I'll always go back to Red Dead because mm-hmm. it's the only other emotional connection I carried with a character besides Kratos too, but because I knew Kratos in, in other stories and his, you know, I guess you could say his legacy is tarnished by those stories. Um, it's tough to connect emotionally on the same level that I did with these characters in any other game besides with Arthur Morgan. Um, and it was, it's weird because I, I spoke on the last episode we did here about the regret that I felt as like a main, not not a theme that they were trying to get across, but a theme that I felt. And it was basically because I empathized with, with Ellie so much that I just was so afraid of her dying in complete regret of everything she's done. You know, going after Abby at the end there, holding her under the, the water, you know, choking her out she just let go and and i was we talked about if we fought that battle completely you know matt talked about how he couldn't he didn't want to fight her he wanted to just let it go and i wanted to fight her because i was afraid that abby was going to kill her and i didn't want ellie to die because i was empathizing with her i was like she's just gonna die full of regret and i didn't i don't think i could ever feel that way about anybody in any medium other than a video game written by naughty Dog. Mm-hmm. So more so than just video games, you think naughty, video games made by Naughty Dog? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Rockstar did a good, great job with uh, Arthur Morgan, but I don't know. I, I, I still haven't beaten 
Red Dead Redemption. I know you have. So I, I can't. I don't think anybody here can comment on it. Have Even you? Alex? The world has. No, I think you're Sorry. worried about having beaten it. <laughs> wow. I, I played the shit out of that game. I definitely beat it. I know Sorry, how I've it been, ends. Been... <laughs> I spoiled myself on that. See, I I got spoiled on that. I didn't know exactly how it went. I guess I kind of had that same feeling that you guys had about Joel. Like I knew what was going to happen. Um, I didn't know when. I didn't know how. So it brought that stress level up like tenfold for me. It's a great game, man. Yeah, I, I've been thinking for the fa- past few minutes, like, what tropes from this game will become popular in AAA gaming over the next few years, in the same way that, like, the trope of the older man and his younger ward became a trope in so many other AAA games after the original The Last of Us. And I'm not certain right off the bat, like, of one that comes to mind, but maybe you guys might have some ideas. I, I guess for me, it's not so much that like tropes. I think I think you are it is a good call that, and I, I hadn't realized until you said it was the whole NPCs having names. That I think that will definitely become a yeah. thing going forward. Absolutely. I think for me, it's more that you know, is this raising the bar for storytelling in video games to the point where we are just as a video game community going to want that more and and want to see that more? I think it's kind of more where where my head's out on it. Um, a lot of the gameplay mechanics here are so specific to the story that it is used to convey this specific story that I guess I'm kind of curious if other developers are going to really start taking minute gameplay mechanics as a connection to the story as opposed to just existing for a gameplay loop and kind of how much narrative is going to become a much more important part of, of storytelling. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. I think, you know, one thing that we need to keep in mind here is that Naughty Dog, before The Last of Us Part Two was even an inkling in their minds, was already an incredibly celebrated developer. And so I think that we forgive The Last of Us Part Two's, you know, more painful or uncomfortable moments because we trust that Naughty Dog is trying to communicate something salient to us in the same way that we forgive Kojima Games' more clunky moments because we think that kojima is trying to communicate something really intellectual to us as well and like i think it remains to be seen whether more developers are able to do the same thing because i can totally see a lesser developer attempting to do something very similar here and just not getting the same recognition because people don't immediately associate that studio with the same level of acclaim as naughty dog is the same level of as a studio that puts as much thought and uh into their products as naughty dog does right yeah it's tough for me to 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 bring to mind a game that i felt this way about um you know chad just asked me and i couldn't (laughs) think of it but this i mean i didn't play um senua's sacrifice i heard that's another really Mm -hmm. deep emotional game um plague's tale i heard too you know smaller developers that somebody play that that'll really you know have some superb writing ability and whatnot and storytelling so yeah it's a great point alex i mean you know hopefully this just raises the bar and everybody uh gets that appreciation they they deserve for writing something that's amazing yeah basically like long story short i hope that more developers will come out now and be like hey we're going to try something a little bit more unconventional in terms of the storytelling of our game or unconventional in terms of our gameplay so that we can try and drive home a point and 
it remains to be seen though whether they will actually go ahead and do that because at the end of the day you know there has to be a financial reality to these games right. and Risk. i feel like yeah. with naughty dog that was never a concern because they're so beloved of a studio but with other studios that is a legitimate concern they're also first party so if they can just tell sony hey we're making this brilliant game give us more money so you can make this brilliant <laughs> game and make your console look amazing um yeah i think if anyone's going to be pushing it it's not gonna be like an activision or an ea i can't imagine ea is going to release this emotionally wrenching story <laughs> nba like, 2k 22 is going to have a good story <laughs> <laughs> then maybe that might be the exception who knows <laughs> but i can see microsoft saying hey we want to have games that compete with uh, with Sony, and we have to have some great emotional storytelling. So you, they might decide to do something there. Maybe the coalition is it the coalition or the initiative. Coalition is the new one. No, initiative is the new coalition one. Coalition did Gears of War. The initiative, the initiative is the new, is the new one, then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like maybe the initiative is going to be like, hey, we're going to make a narrative game, and it's you know going to make you cry and all that at the end of it. Like that's the goal. Like who? Like I, I can actually see that happening because I think that's something that can really really makes PlayStation's platform unique. Like, I talk about how, like, I like Nintendo games because Nintendo games are, like, toys that you can play with. I don't really have, an um, like, an emotional connection the same way that I have PlayStation games, but I've cried with two games, Last of Us and The Last Guardian. Both were PlayStation 4 exclusives. To me, now, when I'm thinking about PlayStation exclusive games, I'm thinking a game that has the ability for me to... to feel for the characters in the same way I would feel for characters in a movie or, or a television show. And so I, I would hope that Sony takes that kind of going forward and I hope Microsoft tries to match them on that. I think that would be just hugely beneficial for video games being taken seriously. Absolutely. The <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say on the matter is I do wonder if we'll also get more games going forward, whether they're super subversive in their gameplay or not that features stories that kind of attempt to show things more from the villain's perspective because that was such mm -hmm. a huge component of abby's campaign i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we were to get more sequences like uh the sniper on the bridge sequence where you get a brief shot of tommy but if instead of it being the last of us part two it's spider-man 2 and it's i don't know the green goblin or the hoochamacallit trying to cross a bridge getting shot at by spidey and then you see a brief snippet of spidey at the end falling into the water can't wait for that hoochamacallit battle <laughs> <laughs> i don't know just a, a thought of like m who knows if this might become another trope that might become popular in the industry remains to be seen do you know what third-party developer i can see taking that approach of really having you sympathize with the villain and kind of going for that more kind of uh dual approach is ubisoft I can see Ubisoft trying to do that. They kind of have a the villain as a prominent part of the Far Cry series, and it's always been, you know, the villain's kind of more important than the protagonist in a lot of ways. Yeah, I can see faceless. them trying to do that. Yeah, right. yeah I mean, we exactly, kind of saw yeah. this. Spoilers for Bioshock Infinite. We kind of saw this with sure. with Bioshock Bioshock Infinite with Booker and Comstock, and you realize you are the same person, and you're fighting over the same girl the yeah. entire time that was your daughter. Yeah, that's good. And that was two K. That was two K. Yeah. yeah. There was also um there was the Assassin's Creed game where you play as one of the Templars. If I recall correctly, you guys know what I'm talking about. And I, I don't vaguely remember that. This early. was like 
this is like one of those years where like they had Where's an Assassin's Brent? Creed. It, they had an Assassin's Creed game for the then next generation pl platforms, so the PlayStation Four and Xbox One, and this was the one on the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty and PlayStation Rogue? Three. Assassin's Creed Rogue. Rogue. Yeah, Rogue. Yeah, that. There we go. The thing about that game is like they kind of they sort of buried it when it released like they didn't want to advertise it as like their big prominent you know assassin's creed release because it wasn't it wasn't their next gen game at the time and i can see them being like all right let's take this kind of a story which we've already done and make it like our big headlining next assassin's creed game maybe we'll see so before we get to our kind of closing thoughts, one last thing I wanted to talk with you guys, and there's nothing else you want to talk about as well, we can incorporate that too. Um, I was kind of thinking while playing this, how PS5, like how would a Naughty Dog PS5 be, game be different than what we saw here? Because in a lot of ways this felt very next-gen to me anyway, but I'm curious if you, I had a, I had a few thoughts, so I was kind of curious if you guys had any, I'm kind of like, ooh, like this on next-gen will be X. I can't think of anything because really the the big pitch we've been taught about next gen is load times and right. I don't remember load times in this game because they were hidden so <laughs> yeah it's so well yeah. shockingly yeah. like the load times in this game are shockingly low I'm so surprised yeah when you die you get right back into the combat <laughs> um I was thinking about sound like I wasn't using the listening mode that much I'm thinking like man wouldn't it be great if that 3D audio I could actually hear and like listen like oh I heard a scuttle of a footstep right. over there they're probably in this general direction I'm like that would be really badass in, in the last of us game it's like really be listening into your environment <laughs> and like hearing where shuffles at and you can't use the listen mode you have to rely on your ears and what you can hear I think that would be sick as long as it works I, the way they say it's gonna work that would be sick it will as long as you send in your ear molds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a next generation The Last of Us game probably would incorporate more sequences like the one at the very beginning of Seattle, where Ellie and Abby are exploring the downtown area, and it's very... Mm -hmm. I, I don't. It's not like an open world, but it is very open-ended. Um, at the same time, though, I kind of feel like they could have made The Last of Us Part 2 like the entirety of the game like that sequence and they chose not to apparently so, they were going to I, I thought i read something yeah much more open-ended worlds it, yeah yeah so like i can like to be honest i can totally just see the last of us part three feeling very similar to the last of us part two but just yeah with better audio fidelity better graphics and whatnot i was also thinking about Probably one of the most intense sequences in the whole game for me, and I've gone back and replayed a few times now because I think it's just so expertly done, is that first car chase at the end of Hillcrest where you get in the the truck and you're shooting it all around it. Like, was That sequence is actually kind of short, though. It stuck with me, but it's a pretty short sequence. It's really not that long. Right. Was it not long because that's what they felt like was the appropriate length for that sequence? Or because there's something where it's like, okay, like if we start... In continuing the sequence, we can only load in so much assets at once that we can't actually pull this off for a longer period of time. Like, could we get bigger kind of set pieces like that in on a PS5 because that loading wouldn't be an issue at all? Or is that kind of just how Naughty Dog already wants it to be? I don't know. I have no idea. I I thought that it was the perfect length. To be honest with you, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't want that to have gone on longer or be more prevalent in the game itself. I thought that was like a perfect little spice into that game where it's just like, oh shit, like the most intense, you know, minute and a half or whatever it was. And uh, 
you didn't get that all the time. It wasn't like this over the top action all the time, mm-hmm. kind of like a uh, Uncharted game, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's just there's not a lot in this game that's super obvious of this is how they could definitively improve it for next generation. In part because, like, I, I feel like there are a lot of things in this game that they could have done way more grander than they did in this game, but they specifically chose not to because that was not their vision yeah. of what they wanted this game to be. And so with that in mind, it's it's hard to imagine, like, oh, yeah, The Last of Us Part Three is totally going to be totally open world. Like, it's pretty clear that's not what they want to do with the series. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we'll just get yeah. even closer to photorealism. Uh, he, right. Like, so much more than we already are, which is amazing. Even more perfect breaking of glass. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And maybe here's the next thing they're going to do with PS5. In, like, one step up from everyone having a name to make you feel bad for killing them, you're going to be able to scan your face into the game, and every bad guy's going to be you. That and you're going to be like, Ooh. I can't, I can't kill me. I'm just too good. <laughs> Also, when you get like in a really emotional, sad moment, and you just feel like you need a friend there, you can have your little AI Sony buddy next to you to give you a hug, and you can talk into your microphone to be like, "Thanks, bud." (laughs) All right. So, any kind of final thoughts you guys wanted to add into the conversation before we we finish up here? Um, I think we discussed a little bit about the companions and uh, other characters in this game that stood out much more than what we experienced in the first game. Uh, You know, memorable appearances. Loved them all. I mean, I can't think of one of them besides maybe um, Mel that I didn't like. Uh, So I thought they did a, a, a fantastic job with introducing these uh other characters that i fell in love with and it was you know even texting about owen and chad just going oh i love owen and then even jesse oh i love jesse it was like everybody we we loved everybody it was it was just awesome they did a a fantastic job with that i i feel you with mel for sure i also need to point out i don't know if anyone here saw angry joe's like 45 minute review on the last of us but one of his like big complaints was mel because she's pregnant and wants to go on the front lines of duty and is like climbing up these crates and bashing her stomach like into like man i'm like holy shit you're doing so much damage to your child right now like what are you doing and as soon as he pointed that out i'm like i can't not see it i can't not see it yeah yeah yeah, she, but no, she, I think she had to be and there. And amniotic sac and all the fluid in there, like it's to protect the baby from being hit on boxes. Yeah, it's nice and safe in there. Yeah. you're right. Shaking babies is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they're in fluid and an amniotic sac, they're good. <laughs> Shake them away. In fact, if you put a baby um, in, that, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, she was definitely there for that moment where. When Abby goes to slit Dina's throat, she's like, she's pregnant. And my first immediate thought was, yeah, you killed a pregnant woman too, though, Ellie. Like, you can't. Right. And there's so many moments where it's like, look how Ellie and, and Abby do the same, or in the same kind of scenarios. And look at the difference in how they how they respond. Mm-hmm. Like, even in really subtle things, like... Um, when you first start off as Abby, one of the one of the early things you do as Abby is you pet a dog. When you're playing as Ellie and you're walking through town with Jesse, one of the first things you do is pet a dog. Like there's little things like that where it's like, 
oh, look at them. They're exactly the same. Right. They're the same. They kind of deal with the same situations, but they respond differently. Like Ellie's kind of filled with hate. Abby has somewhat more love in her <laughs> than, than Ellie does. Except for Mel. She hates Mel. Except yep. for Mel. She hates Mel. Yeah. Which is understandable. <laughs> oh, I would get it too. I, I felt so bad for her when that whole Mel's pregnant. I hadn't even like gotten to like the Owen and Abby relationship yet. And I'm like, oh, that's yep. got to be harsh. Yeah. <laughs> At first I couldn't tell. I thought they were brother and sister. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So your brother's having a baby with some chick you don't like, I guess. But <laughs> it's not God, the relationship they I'm going to be with her the rest of my life and I'm going to like the kid. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do want to give a shout out to the way that they introduced swimming in this game via the cutscene at the dinosaur museum. Yep. I thought it was very clever to have Joel push Ellie into the water and show off, oh, hey, guess what? Ellie can swim now. Nice little detail there. Absolutely. Let me ask you something. Did any of us not push Joel in the water? Because I definitely did every time uh, I, I pushed push Joel in the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> push him in the water. Come on. Okay. Did I you climb like, off the dinosaur? Well, because start, do we know what happens when you don't push him? Does he just jump in on his own? Like, I don't even know. Don't want to know. I just want to push Joel <laughs> in the water every time. All right. So that's all of our thoughts. We're good. So. All right. Yeah. Everyone, thank you for joining for the Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast, Part 2. Do you guys want to plug your shit? <laughs> I don't have any shit to plug, so. Always the guest, never the bride. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, if you like me here, you can uh, find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash CozyBearLive. That's K-O-Z-I-B-E-A-R-L-I-V-E. And of course, you can follow me on the Twitters at Alex Kozina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. And I'm I am Holden Depardo. <laughs> I'm on Responding Fire. <laughs> yep, you know this podcast. You might have listened to it before. Yeah, uh, Holden and Chad here from Responding Fire. Thanks for joining us. Jed, you want to lead us off to our usual sign-off? <laughs> Here we go. And there's our video. Yay. <laughs> Yay.